Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this morning, Lord. Thank you for all the good things you've done in our life. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you for showing us mercy and grace every morning. We love you, Father. Lord, as we explore the word, Lord, we ask you to keep our hearts tender and help this word germinate and bear much fruit, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Well, our last session this month, uh, talking about righteousness and uh, especially convicted righteous. You know, the Holy Spirit's job in a believer's life. How he convicts us of righteousness. And we've been talking about that. Um, so John 16, verse 8. Jesus is ready to leave his disciples. He's going through the crucifixion and about to leave them. So one of his last words talking about the Holy Spirit will come. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin of righteousness and of judgment and of sin because they do not believe in me of righteousness because I go to my father and of judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged so we talked about that a lot you know how Jesus was convicting people of righteousness he was assuring people that hey your sins have been forgiven I'm here to pay for your sins so trust in me you you've been made righteous he was doing that to his disciples and he was telling them, when I go away, Holy Spirit will come and he will do the same. He will convict you of righteousness. Um, so I, I was praying yesterday and I was asking the Lord, what do I share? I mean, uh, what else can we talk about? And uh, I was pretty, pretty clueless. Uh, until I was about to go to bed and I was just have um, some worship music on and, and just kind of thinking and halfway through a song I was listening and he just he just started speaking something and I never saw that uh, so just this is fresh from the oven <laughs> so bear with me if it comes out really raw okay um, so righteousness, how was, he was saying, um, now I encourage you to go and look this up in the word for yourself and do a little study. Uh, so as we were talking about it, you know, righteousness, it was first mentioned in the life of Abraham when he believed the Lord and he accounted it for righteousness right so it was not mentioned with Adam righteousness was not mentioned with Adam and Eve so we just assume that Adam and Eve were righteous uh, now we know they were without sin but the way we are defining righteousness is not probably what they were because we're saying righteousness is making the payment and you know fulfilling that payment and then you have god has nothing against you so 
So there was no sin, so there was no need for them to make a payment. So they, I mean, they were holy, they were without sin, they were faultless, they were innocent, but I don't see the way we're defining righteousness, I don't see Adam and Eve being righteous in the way we're defining it. Because there was nothing to pay for. So there, Adam was just a son, Eve was a daughter, and they were just family. But righteousness concept entered after they sinned. Because now they got to make the payment and they were trying to attain righteousness. So they were trying, trying to attain the right standing with God. There was no need for a right standing with God before. So I was like, Lord, that's, I don't know how, how do we, um, how do we, because, you know, like, I think I mentioned this in the first class, but somebody's revelation, 10 people down the lane becomes a cliche. You, you said it so many times, you, you know. So, you know, people say things like, oh, Adam and Eve, they were clothed with the glory of God. It doesn't say that. It says they were butt naked. Both of them were naked. That's what it says. Yeah. So, so why, did, why did God create them naked? Well, it says naked. So, let me ask you this. So, God... So, they were made in the image of God. Correct. They were made in the image of God. And they looked like God. So, God is in the spirit. So, they are in the flesh. That's fine. But, in the spirit... Is God clothed? So, this is just me. Uh, but it also, there are verses that talk about this in the scripture. Isaiah, when he saw the Lord, um, the Lord was clothed. His train filled the temple. So he, he is clothed. Scriptures talk about he wears life as his clothes. But even in the spirit, God is clothed. But Adam and Eve, they were made in the image of God, but they were naked. And I'm like, what is going on? I know that like they're not ashamed, but why does he specifically say they were naked? Right? And then um, you see a theme where scriptures talk about righteousness it talks about being clothed with righteousness the robes of righteousness there's a lot of verses in isaiah and jeremiah that talk about it and um and there, there's a place where it says your i mean human righteousness in ourself in our flesh it's like filthy rags so he compares righteousness with with clothes being clothed even in heaven, so we have glorified bodies in heaven, right? Everyone agree? Right. We, we die now, for example, somebody dies now, 
you know, they, their spirit goes to be with the Lord. But when He returns, the dead, the bodies will raise and then they are transformed into glorified bodies, right? So there's a body. Uh, so we're, we're made holy again, completely redeemed. So even our glorified bodies, scriptures talk about it, that they have ropes. In Revelation, saints have ropes in heaven. So in God's idea, Adam and Eve needed clothing, but he made them naked. So there's this really um, amazing thing if you observe animals in the nature. You put on clothes to a dog, it looks weird. At least for me. I don't know about some of the people because they like to clothe their dogs, but for me it looks weird. Because the way the dog is made is beautiful. Because they have a coat, they, God made them a certain way. You look at animals, birds or, you know, a tiger or a monkey, you know, what not. They don't look naked because God made them the way they're made and, you know, they don't need to wear shoes, for example. A cat doesn't need to wear a shoe. You're like, you, have you seen those videos like people put on shoes on their dogs and they're like, what do I do? And they were like really scared. <laughs> because they don't need shoes. Because God made them that way. They, they can handle, you know, they have, horses have hoofs, goats. I mean, these wild goats, they go up the mountains. And they never wear shoes. No trekking shoes. They do fine. Because God made them that way. But man needs shoes. Even after we're born again. People say, after we were born again, well, we become like Adam. Uh, not necessarily. We become like Jesus. I'll tell you, Adam and Jesus are completely different. Jesus is way more than Adam. So we're not like, you know, all the born again people are not going around without clothes now that we've become holy. There's no shame, right? We sing songs. There's no shame. There's no shame. But I'm still wearing my clothes. <laughs> so, there, <laughs> my, <laughs> my, my, my point is, if you're born again, wear clothes. No. <laughs> so, uh, in God's sight, See, there, there was a need for Adam and Eve to be clothed, but not in a way we think, I mean, they were not ashamed, but their clothing came from God. Like, He was their covering. The, he was their covering. So, um, and, and that covering is righteousness. That's why the Bible talks about robes of righteousness all the time. Right? Even, which is why we go to heaven, we're still wearing clothes. Like, people, saints are wearing robes. They're not naked, even though they're not ashamed in heaven. Because we're, God is our clothing. Like God's our covering. 
so that that's something because adam and eve they were innocent but not righteous like I, again righteousness is when you make the payment they didn't need to make any payment there, there was no sin so i was meditating on that and then the holy spirit took me to something amazing in the new new testament i never saw that before he said what were the first words of jesus recorded in the bible So pop quiz. <laughs> Now think about it. What what was the first words of Jesus recorded in the scripture? After he's been born or before? Oh, no, just recorded in scripture. Don't you know that I must be about to call That is right. that is right so he's talking about the father's business and what was the first words after that i mean i would say second words so when when he's you know when he's about to start his ministry when he's actually doing what he came to do Okay, a little bit before. Right. So John John says, "I need to be baptized by you." And then he says, "Let this be done to fulfill all righteousness." So when he was young he's talking about father's business right but when he's all grown up he's about to do what he came to do and then he says let this be i don't know what that is it comes up every comes up everywhere <laughs> he's like bingo <laughs> right so matthew chapter 4 This is amazing. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 4 or actually chapter 3, I'm sorry. Verse 13, Matthew chapter 3 verse 13. Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, "I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me?" But Jesus answered and said to him, "Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness." He's saying, "I'm doing this to fulfill all righteousness." That's the key. Fulfill. Isn't it amazing that none of what jesus did up until that point is mentioned in the bible except that one piece when they went to the temple and he stayed there for three days uh, this is amazing though you know i mean I, i was when i was born i was born into a catholic family i remember going to catholic church 
my parents, they were saved after uh, when I was eight or nine, I guess. But I remember going to the Catholic Church. Even after that, like, some of, like, relatives get married and, you know, we go to Catholic Church. But isn't it amazing they pray to Mary? And um, Mary was the one that lost God for three days. <laughs> God, God was like, you had one job to do. Anyway, that's that's just my joke for the day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, yeah, that's a dad joke. <laughs> Mary's like, I don't know where he is. <laughs> anyway, but except that incident, nothing else is mentioned about what he did. So what was he doing? And, and remember, the Holy Spirit came upon him after he was baptized. So there was no power. I mean, he was born of the Spirit. He was born, of, he was the child of the Holy Spirit. That's what Angel Gabriel told. The Holy One will overshadow you and he will, he will, be, the, he will be a child of the Spirit. So he was conceived by the Spirit. But that was about it. There was no power. He was, he was working in his flesh. Which is why nothing that he did in the flesh was recorded in the Bible. So what was he doing all those 30 years? He was fulfilling righteousness. The requirement of the law. He was being the blemishless lamb. He was fulfilling all the law, right? Everything, the jot and the tittle. I mean, you shall not wear clothes uh, with mixed uh, textiles, right? Don't combine linen and polyester or whatever. So he was doing that. You will not, you know, eat so-and-so thing. He was doing that. You will, you know, take care of the poor in your, you know, you see someone, you will take care of the poor. He was doing that. So everything that was mentioned in the law, he was keeping it. So he was fulfilling righteousness. Interestingly, that work, Holy Spirit doesn't want us to know. There, so there's no record of that in scripture. So it starts off when he fulfilled righteousness. Now the spirit came. After he worked for 30 years. And did the hard job. Now the spirit came. Right. And now everything he does. Is what is available to us. Because that's the blessing of the righteous man. So there's this notion in the church. I don't know where it started, but Jesus was poor. Like Jesus did not have a place to stay. So therefore he was poor. 
because uh, he's someone wanted to follow him he said you know foxes have holes birds have nests son of man doesn't have a place to lay his head because he was traveling a lot <laughs> he said to his disciples I, I must go on preach in this town the next town and until my job's done so he was traveling everywhere but it doesn't mean he doesn't he didn't have a house it never says he was poor now it never says he was rich though but it never says he was poor the reason it doesn't say he was he was you know jesus was very rich like it says about abraham because now people will start focusing on the um what do you call the natural part of it because how do you define poverty or how do you define riches you know pastor mark's talking about you know wealth and good works jesus was full of good works and then he had everything he needed well he needed to feed 5000 people did he have it or not he had it so he he was rich now even monetarily there are places where he talks about man they were when he when he told judas go do your thing disciples assumed go give lend to the poor so they were doing that constantly now why would he be provided for like he was you see jesus was provided for everywhere he was because you know Deuteronomy 28 it talks about all the blessings and curses and the first two verses talk about if you listen to my commandment if you obey my commandment all these blessings will come upon you Jesus was obeying all those commandments so all those blessings were upon him right so he was in the job of fulfilling the law completely right now when let's let's read through it uh so verse 15 but jesus answered and said to him permit it to be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness then he allowed him when he had been baptized jesus came up immediately from the water and behold the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of god descending him descending like a dove and alighting upon him and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased now angel gabriel he told mary he will be called the son of god but that confirmation or or you would say that declaration did not come until this point he was still under the law because he was he was fulfilling it so he was a servant how do we know that uh, let's look in philippians let me oh sorry yeah <laughs> okay 
Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant, <clears throat> and coming in the likeness of men. So him coming in the likeness of man, it says he took the form of a bond servant. <clears throat> so he was a servant up until that point. When he was baptized, he came out. And then the father said, this is my beloved son. So, something interesting, you know, you have to be, to become a son, what's the requirement? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. So, you're a son or a daughter when you're born. There's no other way. So, <clears throat> or you get adopted, which means, you know, you're, you're taking it, someone under your wing and <clears throat> you're adopting. So, without being born, there's no way to become a son. But Jesus, you see, we, we try to become sons, work our way through it. Right, become daughters, work our way through it. Jesus did that. He worked his way as a servant. And then the father said, this is my beloved son. So that we don't have to work our way. We put our faith in him. And we are born sons and daughters. See, he, when, when we say, Lord... I want you in my life and I'm done with my sin I'm done with my you know whatever I did I want you in my life he didn't say go you go work your way through the law he says you're a son now you know and 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 if people are willing they can receive the Holy Spirit right then and there and the first words after the Holy Spirit came upon him was this is my beloved son so if the same spirit is in us is upon us that's the proof that we are sons so when Holy Spirit convicts us of righteousness it's more than just saying yes you, you he convicts us that your bill is paid there's no payment due but he's also convicting us that you're a son you're a daughter there's no need to work for this there's no need to work for favor in the presence of God you are family that's what he convicts us of so you you see the pattern when Holy Spirit comes sons and daughters see that's what Joel said in in the prophecy you know, I will pour out my spirit in the last days upon all the flesh. So he's, he's, 
he says i'll pour out my spirit upon all the flesh and then the next thing you know your sons and daughters will prophesy so when the holy spirit comes you know you're a son you're a daughter so that's what he's convicting us of now the next thing you see after this and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased okay so spirits upon him he heard that he's a son now what what do you see next so so now jesus has a confirmation now up until this point he was completely going by faith he was looking in scripture thinking that's me i got to do that that's me i got to do that so he he's identifying himself in the scripture right but now he has a confirmation from the father i mean heaven opened up and there's a voice you're my son now what's the next thing he does now he knows like oh i'm the son of god i'm here to save the world let's go to jerusalem announce and like i'm here folks isn't that the logical step so what happens next then jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil and this is amazing there's there's another translation it says he, he was driven by the spirit into the wilderness now it's so contrary because if i if i was him i would go to i would go straight to jerusalem and like i'm here let's do this but the holy spirit takes him into the wilderness where there's nobody there's nobody except him and then we know the story like are you the son of god if you're the son of god prove it turn this stone into the rock right and then if you're son of god and just bow down to me i'll give you all the kingdoms i mean that's what he came for to take back the kingdom satan was giving him a easy way out so he didn't go through that it's interesting when we come to the end of so we know he was hungry right so after 40 days he was really hungry he was exhausted so when the temptation ends in verse 11 then the devil left him and behold angels came and ministered to him so he was a son right he heard the father say you are my son so who provided for him the father did so he, the spirit was showing him that the provision now see up until that point he worked he was working 30 years he was a bond servant he was earning right he was he was measuring up to the law he was fulfilling the law now 
the spirit came it's no longer his flesh the spirit took him into the wilderness to show the provision comes from the father not by work so he was in the wilderness and and the devil was tempting do it do it do it you can do it <laughs> you know like all these people they get drunk in the bars and then you know they're having fun too much fun and then they're they're about to be like you know dozed off and they have this last you know jug of beer and they lift it up like do it do it do it everyone shouting <laughs> satan was like do it man you can do it spirit was telling him rest rest you don't have to do it you see how jesus like when the spirit came this whole thing changed even jesus had to do it this way cuz he had to walk by faith he had to walk through the spirit even though he was earning it and and doing it through his flesh now he had to learn to live by the spirit so that's what the holy spirit does for us he will say stop stop you're a son just let me drive you let me lead you let me take you where i want to take you there's an amazing um scripture in isaiah let me see if i can find it thank you jesus okay verse 5 isaiah 33 verse 5 we're talking about fulfilling righteousness right jesus was jesus said let it be done so that we may fulfill righteousness look at verse 5 the lord is exalted for he dwells on high he has filled zion now any time bible talks about zion especially in the prophets and you know um revelation zion is a place where we live where we dwell in the spirit is uh hebrews uh chapter 12 i think he talks about you know we have not come to mount sinai where there is shaking and you know smoke and all that we come to mount zion right so this is our new jerusalem so um so we're in zion so he has filled zion with justice and righteousness wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times isn't it amazing he says he has filled zion with righteousness and justice and the next thing he he says wisdom and knowledge will be your stability so knowing that righteousness is fulfilled having that knowledge will give us stability in our lives right anyway so he talks a lot about that um when we go down to verse 21 yeah verse 21 but there the majestic lord he's still talking about zion those who dwell in zion but there the majestic lord will be for us 
a place of broad rivers and streams so the lord is a place of broad rivers it's a wide place and streams right in which no galley with oars will sail what a so galley is a ship right with oars what, what are oars is the thing do you know pedaling row the boat so he's saying in zion where justice and righteousness is fulfilled where we dwell there's a place of broad rivers but the boats that sail there they don't have oars there is no working there we'll see how the spirit leads us look at this nor majestic ships pass by so it's not like oh look at me i got this amazing gift man i am special y'all are small i am a majestic ship nothing like that so there so there's no like special you know privilege or whatever um and then for the lord is our judge the lord is our lawgiver the lord is our king he will save us your tackle is loosed so what's the tackle yeah we have the fishermen <laughs> so it's loosed so there's no control you're not in control and they could not strengthen their mast so what's the mast brother yeah right got you so you can't tie up the sail the mast is like they can't strengthen it so basically you got no you're not rowing you got no control on your boat right and then they could not spread the sail there's nothing you can do to <laughs> so this boat is just just going then the prey of great plunder is divided i thought the great plunder is divided by planning by scheming by powerful boats all these pirate ships you know the pirates of caribbean right they they got all these weapons and and all this equipment i thought that's what it took to divide great plunder but this says you give up control there's no way you control and that's when the prey of great plunder is divided the lame take prey you got to be powerful to take the prey in the natural world but this says the lame take prey the one who has no strength to walk like those four lepers in the old covenant in 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 i think in second kings they were like sitting there the city has been sieged and people have nowhere to go they're starting to kill their babies and eat them 
they're starting to eat, cook and eat poop. I mean, that's that's what it says. And then the four lepers, what have we got to lose, man? Just let's just go to the enemy. And they start going. They start going. Eight set of eight footsteps. And the Lord turns that sound into the march of an army. And the enemies go crazy. We're being attacked, and they start attacking themselves. To the last guy, they're dead. By the time these guys go there, they take plunder. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't know who they were fighting. <laughs> but you see how in Mount Zion, in this broad place where righteousness is fulfilled, also a key. When we now that we've discussed all all this last you know four weeks, righteousness has to do with justice every time. It's not like God had mercy on me so he made me righteous. No, God was just in making you righteous. Because he, he fulfilled the law in making you righteous. He, he didn't break nothing. So you were justly made righteous. So there's no accusation. So every time we think about righteousness, think about justice. God was justified in justifying me. So it's, it's not like, oh, I had pity on him. So yes, he had pity on us. That's why he went through the extent he went through. But the way he made us righteous was, was in a righteous way. So he, he didn't fall off the throne. Right? And then the last verse. And the inhabitant will not say, I am sick. The people who dwell in it will be forgiven their iniquity. That's the key. So, this is amazing. So when, you know, we were talking about not just righteousness, but how the Holy Spirit leads us. So, so we kind of saw through the word what righteousness is and how he will do it. But, you know, personally in our lives, you know, like you, there's not everything about my life recorded in the Bible, right? I need to know how he leads me. So we know that he, he won't go, like he won't say, you stupid, you're a sinner. We know that because that's what the scripture tells us. But then I need to know, like... If I'm having an issue with my, you know, I don't know, co-worker or whatever. Like, I need to know how I am righteous in that situation. And how, so in, in Jesus' case, he took him to the wilderness. But then he provided for him. So there, there's no control. The only thing to know is, I've been made righteousness of God. Right? And then he leads us. Uh, sometimes it might be contrary. But he, he will definitely lead us contrary to the flesh. Anything we think we got to work on this. He will lead us on the contrary. So he leads through rest and 
And so this is an amazing picture. So just, I'll probably close it right there. Uh, awesome. So any comments, questions?